Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a great day and a great week and a great month, considering what month it is. <laughs> um, I know that's a lot to wish, but I do wish that everything has come for you, that you are making plans that you want to do, not plans that you're obligated to do, okay? So, What's so important to remember, especially around the holiday season, is fog, F-O-G, okay? And these are reasons not to do something, fear, obligation, or guilt, okay? And now, I understand that that's easy to remember, but it's not always easy to understand if what you're feeling about an event is fear, obligation, or guilt. Fear may be clear, but, oh, that rhymed. I didn't mean it to. That's cool. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> obligation, uh, fear will be easy for you to identify, but obligation and guilt may not be so easy. Obligation is just something that you're expected to do and you're going to do because you always do it. Um, like when my mother was alive, right? When my mother was alive, I had the obligation. I knew I had to go to her house. That was obligation, okay? And if I didn't go or I made plans to go somewhere else, that's where the guilt would come in because she would guilt me into it. Oh, but we were, I was planning on this many people, whatever they tell you to make you feel bad. So you go. Okay. So remember not to do anything because of fog. All right. (laughs) Okay. So I have some catching up to do with you guys. It's been a while and there's a reason for it. And I didn't want to tell everyone what was happening at the time. Um, I do have a personal life, right? And and I'm allowed to keep my personal life personal as well as you are, right? I've actually done podcasts about oversharing and you know, and I and I really didn't want to go into all the details of what was happening. But since it really didn't work out, I am going to share. Um I was in the process of getting a job, okay? And a lot of you know that I have work phobia, fear of working, um, due to obviously my past, right? Um, things that my mother did. And you know, it's funny because sometimes I think about it and I wonder to myself how many things she actually did to me that I don't realize have contributed to this work phobia. I know that every time I, I was applying for a job, she would say things. She she would put fear in my mind over it, but I, I can't really pinpoint it. And that's okay. 
I'm not in the business right now to try and remember everything that she did. My business is getting over, right? Healing. And guys, when I tell you that healing is an ongoing process, it is. I'm still in the healing process. I just, I woke up and I was having the worst nightmare with my mother and my father. It was horrific. So those of you that are having nightmares, I'm sorry to tell you, they come back. I, I, there's, there was a trigger. There's, there's a trigger. I, I know that it, it, it was a stress-related dream. The trigger had nothing to do with them, but that's where my mind always goes, right? That's where my subconscious goes. Um, the trigger, my daughter has been um, sick, and I'm far away from her, and I can't take care of her, and there's other issues there I'm not going to put out there. Um, and yesterday, I couldn't get a hold of her because she was sleeping all day. She had stayed up all night, and it, it was just terrifying. I had a very rough day, so explains it explains the dream. Okay, so anyway, to catch you up, um, when I came back from Hurricane Ian, I realized that I could do more than I thought I could physically. When I was given the diagnosis of Graves' disease, I really thought I was incapable to physically do things that I normally did, no way could I work. And I realized being at my husband's job, right, for 10 days and helping out that I could physically do things. As it turns out, and this is a warning to people who have a chronic condition, Make sure that your doctor is a good doctor and is not just trying to steal money from you. Because for three years, this doctor was just basically making me see him every three months for no reason. And it, was in, uh, it wasn't even in person. It was telehealth. So I was doing blood work and seeing him every three months <clears throat> when my, my thyroid numbers levels were in range. And he kept me on a very low dose of the medication. And, and I know his reasoning, and that's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset about the fact that he was testing me every three months for no reason. That means appointments four times a year I had to pay for. And sometimes it, he would adjust it just a little tiny bit, and it was six in six weeks I had to see him again. Um, I switched doctors, and she... She said I was in remission and took me off the medication. And right now, that's what's going on. Um, I haven't taken it in, uh, it hasn't been that long since I saw her. So, like two weeks or something. I was on such a low dose, I don't I don't really expect anything to go cattywampus. But 
we'll see, right? <laughs> I have to, this time I have to get blood work done in February and go see her. But then she said every six months, and I don't even have to see her. I could go to my general practitioner. Okay? So twice a year, just get blood work done with the general practitioner. And if there's anything weird, go see her. Get an appointment with her. People, you have to be on top of things. I thought I was. Now realizing there's another way. that You don't have to do it every three months. They were just taking money from me. <sighs> I'm not going to get too upset over it. It's already done and over with. I have a big bill. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have to deal with that. Um, but I don't know if I can somehow get, you know, use the fact that this person said I'm in remission as opposed to him seeing me every three months into, uh, well, we'll see. It doesn't matter. Anyway, (laughs) so I was applying for jobs and I applied for a job and it was a good job, a really good job. Um, and I got the job. It was for a local college. Um, a couple of things happened, and I I did quit three days in, and I felt terrible about it. But for some reason, guys, COVID is not a thing anymore. People are not, you know, wearing masks, being careful. This is winter. Even in Florida, it's the winter. People are coming down from the north and bringing their viruses with them. I got a stomach bug. Um, And I came home Wednesday shivering and with a fever. The stomach bug gave me a fever and everything. I think as I'm getting older, I'm just getting more sensitive to things. My body reacts differently. So, I quit. The other piece, which is the important piece to this, is that I was not terribly happy. (laughs) Um, Not that you're supposed to be elated at work. Work is work, and I understand that. But there was a, you know, we're empaths, right? I had gotten this job through Zoom calls. And I did go once to meet with my supervisor. And I did walk into the office. The thing is, two of the employees were are virtual. Um, the environment was is, is not a happy environment in any way, right? I didn't see it that way. I didn't feel it. And so it was easy for me to say, I I don't really belong here. I think they were looking for someone like me to kind of change the environment. But you can't stick someone. Because at work, I'm, I'm the one that smiles and says good morning and cracks the joke, right? I'm that person at work. And they were looking for that. But you can't expect... One person who's happy to come in and change three people's kind of environment 
what's going to happen is the three people's environment is going to bring the happy person down. It's, it's, that's just the way it is. I swear my cats have gone crazy. Um, (laughs) I feel bad for them because, um, the back porch, the screens were all ripped to shreds during the hurricane and the owners haven't fixed them yet. And my cats can't go outside. And the, and so they're just going insane inside. We do, there's a place in front of the house that they can hang out at. And, we, and we'll sit out there with them. Because um, we can't leave them there alone. <clears throat> because we have to watch it. They're not, you know, it's a small space. We have to sit out there. Plus it's the front of the house. It's different. Um, but they, they're crazy indoors. Like they're running around and, and roughhousing with each other. It's insane. Loud in here all the time. Yes, cats can be loud. (laughs) Um, anyhow, going back to what I was saying is you can't expect one person to change the environment for three other people. And I think that's what they were looking for. And unfortunately, what they're going to find, I mean, they're better off getting someone who's kind of serious and will fit in with the current environment as opposed to someone who will change the environment because it's not going to happen that way. Anyhow, I didn't, I only lasted three days. And usually, in the past, this has happened, I give up. I feel horrible. The guilt is so huge that I can't carry it with me for having quit. Especially, I mean, this job, the benefits were amazing. Um, I did feel bad. I felt really bad. But I thought to myself, and I think this is partially true too, I haven't worked in a long time. And I'm not talking months. I'm talking years. Um, At least five, but it's been more. It's more like seven or eight years since I've had a full-time job. That I bit off more than I could chew in one sitting. The best way to combat a phobia is to do the thing that you're afraid of slowly. With work, that's really difficult to do because you either go or you don't go to work. It's not like being exposed to a spider or a snake, right? You've probably seen those on television, those therapists that um, hypnotize people and put a snake in their hands when these people are terrified of snakes. Um, you're supposed to do that if you're not being hypnotized slowly. <laughs> you know, like, first you think about a stuffed animal snake, right? You imagine that. I've read a lot about this, okay, about phobias and how to get over it, because I want to fix this. Um... There hasn't been a therapist that has been able to crack this for me. I had a, I will say something. My anxiety was way, way less than usual with the new job. And I think it was because I didn't fight my anxiety. 
I let the anxiety come. I let it be. That's the only way to fight anxiety is to let it be. When you say, no, 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 I don't want to feel anxious. I don't like these symptoms. You're you're sending a message to your brain that that's a bad thing. And guess what happens? Your your um, anxiety hormones, right? The, the adrenaline and cortisol all spike because something is attacking you. And anxiety gets worse. Instead, I said, well... I I know this. I know what this is. I know this is anxiety. It's not going to kill me. And I had a much better time. I will admit. Um, if it wasn't for the damn stomach bug that I got. Um, anyway. The good thing is this. I'm not giving up. I'm just going to take a smaller bite. I'm going to try and get a part-time position for a while to get myself acclimated to being in a work environment again. I think that's a good plan. What do you think? Right? Um, I've done that before where I've tried and even with part-time jobs I've had, I've struggled. Um, I'm hoping that I can surpass this and move on to a full-time job. Eventually, once I'm acclimated or the part-time job sometimes becomes full-time. That just happens a lot of times, right? Or you can have a part-time job and quit because they're not giving you enough money and they hire someone full-time. So you were doing a full-time job part-time. That happened to me. And so many, I've had so many situations that in hindsight, I should have really gotten a lawyer. But uh, I don't want to jump to that anymore in my mind like to get revenge or I just want okay that didn't work out move on and do things differently that's improvement okay and even though this did not work out this job did not work out I don't feel the same way as I used to before, okay? That is improvement and that is healing in and of itself. It is. I don't feel as bad. And it's not because I don't feel bad because I'm not contributing to the household. It's because... I don't feel like I have to give up. Usually something like this will make me go, well, you're done. That's it. It's not going to work out. Um, my instinct was, well, maybe that was just a little too much for you. A lot, it was a job that was very, it was a lot of responsibility and full-time and I and like I said, the the office vibes were really weird because f- four people worked there, but only two were there were gonna be there physically. Me and my direct supervisor, the other two were home most of the time, um, and there were other dynamics that were happening there. I'm from New York City. I have seen diversity in offices. But in where I live, diversity in offices is very a very different 
animal. It's not what I was used to in New York. Okay, in New York, there's an expectation. It just is what it is. It's just people in an office. I'm not so sure that's how it's looked at here. Okay, and it wasn't against me. I'm not talking about myself. Um, But diversity here is a different thing. And it's it's sad that diversity is not necessarily a positive thing, right? But anyway, that's all I'm going to say um, about that. So that it didn't work out. So that's why I've been, I haven't recorded a podcast. It takes longer to record a podcast than you may think because you have to just not do anything else, right? You have to sit there and think about what you're going to talk about. Um, I wanted to catch you guys up first and foremost, and I have for 20 minutes now. Um, I did hide the fact that I was interviewing. I'm not going to hide this. Might as well just put it out there. It doesn't matter. Either way, if if, if you're going to get a job, you're going to get it. I already have an interview. This happened last Wednesday. Last Friday, I already had an interview tomorrow for a part-time job, which is literally 10 minutes away from me. Okay? It is where my closest Walgreens is just to give you an idea for the those of you that live in the U.S. and in, in Middle America, USA, um, it's where my closest Walgreens is. So that'll give that gives you an idea. It's like three miles away, if that much. Um, and it's part time, and it, it's actually using a lot of the skills that I've um, used it in my career. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll have to let you guys know. And it's part-time. Part of my phobia comes from the idea that if I work full-time, I just don't have enough time at home. And, and that's wrong. I know that's wrong, but that is part of the anxiety is well, the job's going to take up all my time. Yeah, but you know what? I know that a lot of jobs, I've had jobs before. This is not the first time I've worked. I've worked for many years. And your job kind of becomes your second home, unless you're teaching. Uh, you can't make a classroom into your second home. Um, I taught for six years, so... Um, it becomes your second home, especially if you have people around you that you, you have a friend or you have people around you you get along with, it does kind of become your second home. And this was never going to become my second home. So here we are. Part-time is half the time, right? Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know the hours yet. Um, hopefully it's half the time. It's, you know, hopefully it's every day for four hours. That That's my ideal part-time situation because you have to do it every day but it's only four hours right it's you get there and you're busy you blink you go home and you don't feel like you're missing out on so much so we'll see what happens I'll let you guys know okay it why not tell you my struggles because you're struggling too right okay 
So, <clears throat> what the heck is going on related to the narcissistic mother thing, right? <laughs> All right. So, obviously, we're getting very close to Christmas. And and Christmas is all around the world. When I was talking about Thanksgiving, that's the U.S. of A., right? Maybe some other smaller countries also celebrate, but um, mostly U.S. of A. And Christmas is around the world. If you're Christian, you celebrate Christmas, even if you're not Christian. Are you kidding me? One of the greatest people I've ever known in my life passed away seven years ago now. Um, I love that man. He was... He was the father I needed, right? He was my work father. Um, I I can't really think about him without wanting to cry because the world is now less good because he's not in it. Guys, my daughter probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And the reason for that is I couldn't eat from the anxiety and he would distract me at lunchtime. <laughs> he would make me laugh and I would eat because I was distracted and I love that man. I wish he had been my father. <laughs> anyway. I cried because I didn't really realize how much he was filling in that void of my dad when I worked with him. Um, I just knew that he was a wonderful person. And what ended up happening is I married someone like him. And I wish he would have met him the last day I saw him which was months before he was going to die and it was crazy because it was I was visiting New York um and I went to visit my old job and there's only two people left there that I used to work with this was 2015 and I visited the the woman that I worked with and then she told me oh so and so is still here and I went down and he didn't even recognize me at first and he tells me oh it's my first day back I had back surgery it was his first day back at work if I had gone the day before I wouldn't have seen him um he looked pale he didn't look good to me he he didn't he did not look good and it was the surgery that ultimately killed him. He threw a blood clot from the surgery, and it happens. This is not a fault of the doctors or the surgeons. And went straight to his heart and killed him. He died on the operating table. So I was grateful that I saw him because it was... It was a situation where I wouldn't have seen him that year at all, right? I hadn't seen him for probably 15 years at that point, close to that. Anyway, um, his the anniversary of his death passed at the end of November. 
And uh, since he died, oh my God, the banging, Puffy. That's my cat. <laughs> All right. Um, I got way too far into that. It's just I loved him so much, and I found him again in my husband. My husband is a man who is a lot like him in so many ways. I didn't realize it until he died, and I, I looked at the situation. Why I was so sad that this man passed. He was just, he was a coworker, right? And it was. Because he was meant more to me than I realized. Anyway. Every year on the day of his death, I cry. Because I I just... This world is a, a worse place because he's not in it anymore. It just is. Anyway, what I was saying is Christian's... Celebrate Christmas, but you don't have to be Chris, Chris, Christian. So this man, um, he's Jewish. <laughs> he was Jewish. I don't know how to say that. He was Jewish, right? He he's gone. Um, he, oh, well, he had a star of David, um, pendant on his. He had a, he wore a chain around his neck, and his wife was Catholic. And every year at Christmas time. When it was time to put up the tree, he was the one that we we called on to build the tree because he was the one who knew how to do it the best. He put the tree, and it was it looked beautiful before the decorations. You know, it was a fake tree, of course, and it was like wow, he's got a talent for this. So you know, the Jewish guy called the Jewish guy to put up the Christmas tree. There's <laughs> always a joke about that. Um, so that a lot of people celebrate Christmas, regardless of if they're Christian or not, right? It's just a fun, supposed to be a fun time of the year. But for a lot of people, Christmas is not fun. And for us in particular, it it becomes a challenge, right? To to even survive Christmas, um, we dread Christmas. I have been dreading Christmas since I was 15. Um... My mother did not care about me at all. Um, and I know this. I, I see it in in so many ways. But right now, m- the two days this weekend was horrific. Because my daughter is sick and I'm not close to her. And I can't yank her out of where she is and just take care of her. Um, all I've done is text and call and 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 see how she's doing and 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 go to the doctor and are you taking the medicine and and my heart has just been squeezed to a point that there were moments there that I didn't know what to do because I was just feeling so desperate and I realized my mother never felt that for me when I was sick for any other reason she never felt like that, I never saw her react the way I I was reacting to my daughter being sick. It was killing me. It, it was killing me just just to know that I wasn't there. And the reason I've been so nervous isn't she had COVID, my daughter, and she got over COVID. And three days later, she got she was getting sick again. 
And it was bad. It was her lungs. So they did diagnose her with pneumonia. And that's what kills people. And the thought of something happening to my daughter being in a hospital. I told her, I said, I'm ready to buy a plane ticket. You know? If she's in the hospital, I'm going to be there. And her father actually said the same thing. Um, anyway, so even though this isn't on, on point for what I wanted to talk about, you guys, this is, it proves to me that my mother did not love me. And that is something that is very hard to swallow, even one year plus after her death, that she didn't love me, right? She didn't. I never saw her upset when I was sick. I never saw her worried. Um, I had the flu, the swine flu, in 2009 when it was going around. I was a teacher. Um, No way I wasn't going to get it. I was also on Lexapro. I've done several podcasts that I decided not to put out because situations changed. But I did talk about, I I was on Lexapro at this point because I was so stressed out. The school I was working at was difficult. And um, I thought, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get the swine flu. <laughs> and I got the swine flu. But a lot of teachers did because the kids did. Um, it went through that school and it wiped out. I remember at one point see, thinking, wow, there's a lot of kids that are absent. Like eight kids in one class. That's a lot, you know. When you have 20 kids, eight is a lot. That's almost half the kids. Um, and I this was high school, so this was a class of, you know, one of my classes. And every class had kids missing, regardless of how many. So I, I ended up with swine flu. It was fine. It was the flu. No big deal. You know, I went to the doctor. They gave me Tamiflu, a cough medicine, the good, the good cough medicine. I was pretty much out for a week. Um, uh, unconscious, right? <laughs> My fever didn't even go up that high. It was not that big of a deal. I remember they made such a big deal about it on the news. Guys, don't watch the news. Yeah, they, they exaggerate. They want to scare us. Um, I don't know about with COVID, but with the swine flu, they did that. All right, any, anyhow, um, my mother knew I was sick. You would think she wouldn't. Help me, right? I had the swine flu. She made some chicken soup and had my dad drop it off the door because they didn't want to get sick. I I understand not wanting to get sick, but my, I was sick recently because my husband was sick, and I was putting Vicks on him at night because he he was coughing. And that's an adult man. And that's my parents. That was my parents. So, yeah, they didn't love me. Anyway, um, the holidays. Back to the holidays. Please promise me in your head. Make, make, make this covenant with me. That you will only do what you want to do. 
regardless of what stage of low contact, no contact, in contact you are. I am asking you to not do what you don't want to do. If you are already fearful because you have to confront your parents, your siblings, the aunts and uncles, and they're all going to ask you questions about, I don't know, maybe you're not, you're single. When are you going to get married? You've gained weight, whatever it is that you're fearful of, right? Because that's what happens in family gatherings. Or you're too skinny. Or when are you going to have kids? Whatever it is. And you are having anxiety that you are going to make something up to not go. If you decide that you're going to go, regardless of what I'm saying right now, and you start to feel uncomfortable, I'm giving you permission. You're making a covenant with me that you are going to make an excuse and leave. You have food poisoning, okay? You say you have food poisoning or you have the D word, you know, food poisoning from the backside. People are not going to stop you from leaving, okay? They're going to let you go. Or say, my throat hurts. You can leave. Bye-bye. They will let you go. Okay? Nobody wants the COVID person at the party. Please do whatever it takes to protect yourself. Okay? I don't have to worry. My mother is dead. My father doesn't want anything to do with me because he do, he's still in the, what they call in the fog, but not the fog I was talking about before. He's still in the fog of not seeing things correctly. Um, and I'm not in touch with him. It was his choice. I'm just enforcing it now at this point. It's just me protecting my heart and protecting myself from being hurt. We're going to a friend's house. We went there for Thanksgiving and it was perfectly pleasant and calm. It didn't really feel like Thanksgiving. And that's perfect for me. That's that's my thing. I don't, you know, Christmas is going to feel like Christmas, but it's going to be the same people. I think the husband's sister and her husband are going to be there as well. They're the super nice people. We've met them already. Um, Guys, just don't do what you don't want to do. I have stayed home in the past five years several times for Christmas. And we've gotten Asian food and eaten home and watched TV. And not necessarily a Christmas theme thing. Please don't do what you don't want to do. Please. Please. I don't want you to end up with the same bad connection to Christmas that I've had since I was 15. Oh, I started talking about that and didn't finish. When I was 15, that was the first year that everyone in my family, except for my, my uncle... The ones I talk the, the the ones I talk about in that live here in Florida, they had left New York, and I was still in New York, right? I left New York when I was twenty nine. Um, and 
what started happening is since there was no one to show off to, now I understand why it happened. My mother had no one to show off to. She stopped really doing anything for Christmas because I didn't count. I have a better story. The first year that I was separated from my husband, my daughter was with him for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. I assumed that my parents were still going to cook and do the Christmas thing. It must have been Christmas Eve. At 8 o'clock, I show up to my parents' house, and the house is dark. And my dad got up, and he wasn't even, he was in his underwear. Yes, that very pleasant picture. And And I say to him, What's going on? He goes, oh, we're in bed. At 8 o'clock at night, they were in bed. They did this on purpose. They did this on purpose. You know, I feel like writing this crap down. Only because, I hope I remember when I finish. Only because if I hear one peep out of anyone in my family about my dad being alone on Christmas, my dad is going to get an earful about that Christmas. (laughs) No, he's not. No, he's not. That's just That was just my reaction. I am not going to contact my father regardless of what happens. Yes, my aunt and my uncle or my aunt tried to call me again. So three times within a three-week period. Um, I haven't gotten any calls since then. Actually, I don't know because now the app that I have them block with, I have no notifications on. So I don't know when a call comes in now. <laughs> At all. I said, oh, yeah, you're going to start calling me? Well, I ain't going to know when. I'll find out three days later, right, when I check it, if I check it. You know, I don't, because the calls that go that are, look, I have people that are blocked that are in there. And I also, it's also like a spam blocker. So I'm not interested in any of the calls that are coming in there, right? So I don't have to check it every day or anything. Um, If they really wanted me to know something, important there's another avenue they could take that and i would find out so calling me directly is never going to work for you (laughs) anyway so yeah um i ended up that christmas um going home eating a frozen weight watchers pizza and watching the 40 year old virgin Guys, this was the year it came out, 2005. This was a very long time ago. But it was the year my daughter was three. And my parents, my mother, was against my separation from my husband. Which, let me tell you, I haven't regretted once. So she was wrong, you know. It was a toxic situation. I I was married to him for eight years. I don't know how I made it. Eight years. Um, In many ways, I don't know how I made it. Without killing him, without killing myself. It was very tough eight years for me, plus the three and a half that we were dating. Anyway, so that's what happened. Um, So I don't have the best connection to Christmas. From that point on... Christmas, I realized 
for myself, before I even knew anything about narcissistic parents, this was way before, um, that Christmas had to be something that I did for myself. It was Christmas Eve. Now I remember because I was dating someone at the time, not my husband. It was right before I was to meet my husband. Um, that guy was, whoa, he was the typical narcissist, you know, the textbook one. Um, but I did go to his parents' house, um, for Christmas, for the day of Christmas. Um, he had a hangover. That's another story. But I did get to enjoy, and I was with my daughter. We went over, they had a gift for her. I think they had a gift for me, too. I don't even remember. Um, and I remember playing ball outside with, my daughter and his daughter and his son. His son was about the same age as my daughter. Um, I was able to turn things around. Um, and I and I remember thinking, I'm not going to see my parents today. And I have my daughter with me, right? Because that was the reason. Oh, well, if my daughter, you know, if, if your daughter is not with you, then we don't want anything to do with celebrating. Oh, so you're in mourning because my daughter is with her father and I don't exist because I'm not dead and I showed up. Um, So many messed up things happened to me and I don't know how I didn't catch on to how messed up they were. Um, But this year and for many years now, this is not a new thing. Christmas is what I want it to be. It's not what anybody else makes it. And it's not like someone can say to me, we're not celebrating because you're not important enough, you know? If something happens, let's say, with our friends, like, oh, we're not doing it, something ha- it, it doesn't matter. They're not hurting me personally. But my parents were hurting me personally. I, you know, they basically were saying, you're not important enough. Only your daughter matters here, and you're not doing what we want, so go screw yourself, you know? And, you know, in the end, they got screwed. Because I wasn't there, all right? I wasn't there to be their little garbage pail, you know, or pincushion. I wasn't there. I don't know what Christmas looked like for them for the last five years. I don't know. The last one, my mother wasn't even there. <laughs> you know, she was dead. But um, it's nice to talk about someone dead like that who hurt you and just and laugh. It's so nice. I, I, you know, I don't know how you guys feel. All of you that are listening are thinking different things about your mother's. Or your father's, right? Um, But I know that, at least in my support group, that a lot of people just want them to die. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just because you think that, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's not, don't believe in those things that, oh my God, if I had a bad thought. Because that's something I used to be afraid of because it was instilled in me. If you have a bad thought, you have to say, you have to make do it, pray um, having a bad thought is normal. Uh, wishing something like, 
I wish a person that consistently hurts me that they die is also normal. So it's okay to think that, just so you know. Um, My mother died unexpectedly, and it wasn't because I had been sitting there wishing she was dead. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about it. It just happened, you know? I know, I, I... I find I feel unlucky sometimes, but really I hit the jackpot with that one. Um, when most narcissistic parents live to be very old, and the reason is they think of themselves a lot, so every little symptom they have, they've run to the doctor, and that's actually how my mother died was because she told my dad that she was having trouble breathing. And my dad, instead of taking her directly to the ER, which if I had been in contact with her, she'd probably be alive. Yes, that is the truth. And I and I realize that that is the truth. Um, there's no guilt involved in that. It's more like, thank God I wasn't there. At first, I did feel guilt about it because I felt like, oh my God, she's dead because I wasn't in their life. Right? Because... If I had been in their life, I, I wouldn't have let my father wait. I would have called 911. My mother would probably be alive. I mean, that's, what can I say? I don't know this for a fact. She might have died anyway. You know, she was going to die. Maybe that, I mean, she was going to die anyway. But um, the story is that he waited. That's what he said. I'm, I'm repeating his words. He she She complained on a Monday that she had trouble breathing and instead of taking her directly to an ER um she he called her general practitioner and the appointment was made for Thursday she died in the car on the way to the doctor that's what happened supposedly um that's the story he told i don't believe anything that either of them ever said 100% so, um, part of me thinks that it was purposeful neglect. He did it because he was kind of hoping she would die. He is not a man who takes responsibility for anything. He abandoned three kids, remember? That's my big story. I thought I was an only child for 42 years. And some guy calls me one day to tell me, oh, you're wrong. You have three older brothers. Your dad was married twice before your mother and had two, three kids and abandoned all of us when we were little kids. So that is my father, a man who doesn't take responsibility for anything. My mother was not in the best of mental health. And... um. Maybe this was a way for him in his mind, right? My my daughter told me that there's a shrine. And this was not that hard because she came to visit. She was here in August, so a couple of months ago. And there was a shrine still up from my mother almost a year later. Right when you walk in the door to the house on this wall that's really weird and awkward, but it faces the door. It's all for show, okay? That is because he doesn't want people to figure out what I figured out immediately, that he probably waited on purpose. Anyway, again, 
maybe it was because I had such a horrible nightmare last night. Um, my nightmare had to do with her mental issues. I don't know if it was dementia, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's. I don't know. But supposedly, I mean, she wasn't doing well. Um, in the dream, she wasn't doing well. But I was telling her, you're not fooling me. My mom was faking it. At least partially. She was faking it. And she was on probably medication she didn't need. And that's what ultimately killed her. That's it. Anyway, back to Christmas. Last words. And I promise this is not about me. (laughs) About my family. I'm sorry to have gone on so long about that, but I think it could be helpful for you guys. I mean, that's what you guys like about my podcast, right? That talk about myself, uh, my issues, (laughs) my mother, (laughs) um, my my, uh, situations. Please don't... You do what you want on Christmas. If that means doing nothing, then do nothing. If you don't have, like... If you have kids, you kind of have to, right? But if you don't have kids and you're, you you don't want to do anything, don't do it. Do it your way. Do Christmas your way. If it means no decorations and not watching anything like A Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life or any of those Christmas movies, Elf, and not listening to Mariah Carey, LOL, um, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing till this year. I'm so out of touch, I swear. Um, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you do. You do nothing. You act like it's another day and you watch movies that you have in your collection of movies instead of putting the TV on. Because if you do, you're going to be bombarded with Christmas stuff. Or listen to, you know, your favorite playlist on whatever you listen to, Spotify or whatever. Um, And if you want to celebrate Christmas just with your significant other, your kids, whatever your situation is, at home, by yourself, without mingling with the family, that's fine. Okay? What I'm telling you is do what you want. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it out of guilt. Do it because you want to do it. This is your life. No one else is going to make you happy but you. Believe me, okay? I am 48 and I am... Oh my God, my cats are going to drive me crazy. Stop it, you two. Stop. You know they understand me. They they say cats are dumb, but they're not. But they look at me. They stop, but they'll they'll they're just bad kids. You know they're like toddlers. Um. Do what you want to do. It's up to you. It is up to you and only you to make you happy. I am forty eight, and I learn lessons every single day of my life. Puffy, don't even think about going near her. No. Sorry, guys. (laughs) The saga of the cats. Um, 
So do what you want to do. You make yourself happy. So whatever it is that makes you happy, that's what you're going to do. Okay? Now, some smart people would do their own Christmas, invite the people of the family that they like. And if there's another Christmas happening in your family, see who shows up. Right? Make them choose. Why not? Don't get upset if they don't show up and they show up to the other one, you know. But it is something that you can try to begin to do and eventually get people to come to yours and leave out the people you don't want. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I'm spitballing here. I'm going to end this. I've been talking for an hour, close to an hour, and um, I just wanted to give you permission in case you don't have it yet, in case you haven't given yourself the permission, haven't realized that you can do it your way. You know, like, what is it, Burger King or McDonald's? Have it your way. Have it your way. Christmas, have it your way. Put a Christmas tree, don't put a Christmas tree. Decorate the outside of the house or the windows or whatever you do where you live, or don't. Make a turkey or ham or... If you're Hispanic, pernil, that's our food for um, Christmas. Or don't. Make spaghetti. Make lasagna. You know, order Chinese food. Do what you want. Make yourself happy. This life is too short to bend yourself into a pretzel to make other people happy who don't even appreciate it or notice most of the time. Do it for you. Okay. I hope you've gotten to this point of the podcast. Um, And if you have, have a Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas. And I love you all. And until next time.